Welcome to the Great American Collectibles Show, heard Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on PSA.com and the PSA Facebook page. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by PSA, the National Sports Collectors Convention, and Sports Collectors Daily. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all of your hobby news, features, and more, visit sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, your hosts, Tom Zappala and John Mallory. Right, I've got to ask the question. Keen State. Yeah, I don't even know if people not can to be see confused, that. Not to be confused with Harvard. Well, it's They're a nice hat. It's a nice white and red hat. My niece played softball there a few years ago. What's that, Division 12? Division 3, and they're a little better than the team you're sporting <laughs> on your hat right now, which is the Boston Red Sox. So. Um, <laughs> you're killing me. This is called solidarity. Yeah, it's called reaching, Boy, they man. Suck. They are awful. They suck. They can't catch the ball. But dude. you know something? There's a silver lining. Where what? The Yankees are just as bad. Not just as bad. But Almost. they just took two out of Almost. three from Yeah, the we'll Yankees, talk to so Dwyer about good, that, yeah. too, because he's, right. he's a Yankee freak. Right. All right, listen, we have a good show today. This is our last show on the PSA platform. Uh, we're moving to different platforms next week. Well, actually, we're already on some of them, and we're real excited about it. Yes. So we're going to bring in – actually, let's bring in Rich now, but I want to read the headline. Uh, we're going to bring in Rich Miller – from Sports Collectors Daily, Rich is a good friend. He's been a great supporter of the show. Yep. Uh, one of the main platforms that we are moving to, we've already actually moved there, is the Sports Collectors Daily Facebook page. Awesome. So if you are a Sports Collectors Daily freak, uh, you can simply watch it right on when you're, when you're perusing through the Facebook page. Right. Right? Right. All right. Our headline, and by the way, we, we have a good show. We've got Rich now. Don't just peruse. Go there and watch. We've got a good friend, a really good friend. and big. He's been a tremendous supporter uh, of the show since pr- pretty much day one. Yeah. Uh, Brian Dwyer from REA Auctions. And then later on in the show, we have uh, Brent, Brendan Wells from SCP Auction. Because it's going to be the headline. As a matter of fact, this is a headline written by... Rich Miller. Okay. Then it must Wilt, be, then it has to be well written. Wilt, so. <laughs> I have to edit his stuff. No, please <laughs> do not do that. Wilt Chamberlain, rookie season <laughs> uniform set for auction. The auction's already obviously started. No rookie in sports history had a better debut season than the seven foot one inch center playing for his hometown NBA team 63 years ago. Much like George Mikan, a decade earlier, Will Chamley became a game-changing gate attraction. Now the only known surviving uniform he wore while playing for the Philadelphia Warriors in 1959 and 60 is about to go on the, it's on the auction block. Yeah. Uh, SCP Auctions is offering Chamberlain's number 13 jersey and matching points in a long single lot auction <laughs> that runs through June 17th. One item, baby. One <laughs> item. The uniform was uh, worn by Chamberlain during the regular season and five home playoff games that, that season, according to photos that matched the jersey and shots. For more information and for some great, great headlines and stories, obviously you want to go to sportscollectorsdaily.com. That's sportscollectorsdaily. Great, great, great uh, organization. So much information. Incredible. Rich, 
your thoughts on Chamberlain's jersey, man. Did you ever see him play? Oh, you're, you're a lot younger than us. <laughs> I, I, I am old enough to say I did see Will play. Yeah, I was, I was, I was young, but I remember uh, wearing the Lakers number 13. Yeah, in fact, uh, grew up a Milwaukee Bucks fan, and they broke the big 33-game winning streak that the Lakers had back in the, in the early 70s. That's that right. Was, yeah, 72. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, saw, yeah. I yeah. saw him probably two or three times when he played for Philly. Uh, that was a great team with uh, Hal Greer and Chet, uh, Chet uh, what the hell was his name? Chet, Chet Jackson. Chet, Chet, Chet Walker? Chet Walker. Chet Walker. Uh, yeah. Wasn't Billy Cunningham on that Billy team? Billy C. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful yep. Wally. Remember? <laughs> what the hell was his name? First of all, that's about 20 years before me. <laughs> right, anyway. uh, but that was a good team. And but they I did s- have good players. He has some yeah. great battles with Bill Russell. Some great battles. Yeah. Hey, Rich. Uh, Obviously, uh, let me just uh, let our viewers and, uh, know and, and, and radio listeners that, again, this is our last um, show on the PSA just, platform. Th- you got to keep going after you say this is our last show. On the PSA we do platform. Like a, we do a pause <laughs> No, no, we're there. moving. No, we're... <laughs> you always point. do a pause. We're moving. It's like the first email he sent out, we're done with PSA. That's like it was... <laughs> <laughs> Good point, but we no we uh, we it's it's we're really excited about it. We're moving to a couple of different platforms. By the way, the PSA people they will be coming on periodically. Sure, sure. Uh, when PSA has something Absolutely. going, yeah. But you know, it, as we I spoke to Rich about this off air, and I spoke to uh, another potential Facebook platform. Uh, what we want to do is we want neutral sites, and these are neutral platforms. Uh, Sports Collectors Daily, our own, and then this future uh, uh, platform is also a perfect neutral site, not to mention wherever anybody shares and all that stuff. Yeah, sure. So now we can can talk about anything. We can talk about any subject, talk about the hobby. Uh, We can bring in other third-party graders. So it's going to be fun. Rich, I wanted to ask you, though, you know, there was a great article that was written by him. What was the gentleman's name again? Joel Belford. He does a, a... newsletter called mint condition and he kind of analyzes uh business and industry news in the in the hobby well he wrote a great article that i read a couple of days ago on the pwcc acquisition by uh fanatics and i just want to get your take on it uh you know what are your thoughts about maybe some of the behind the scenes stuff or that you may or may not know that you can share with us or just your 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 you know you have your your finger on the pulse, the whole state of the hobby. What is happening? Well, I think first of all, for the for the acquisition of PWCC by Fanatics, it made a lot of sense, and it kind of fits the Fanatics mold. Ever since they got into this um, this end of things and, and expanded their business beyond just buying and selling team T shirts and jerseys, and and created this whole Fanatics collectibles arm. Um, that's been their, that's been their method of operation. You know, they buy existing businesses or they, they look to expand in areas where they think, you know, there's an opportunity for them. And that was one of them. They, they didn't have a, uh, an outlet for buying and selling. And they said very early on, they were looking to build what they always, the term they always use is ecosystem, the hobby ecosystem. Well, you know, you've got a trading card company, you're going to be getting into box breaks, um, PWCC can offer them vaulting and obviously a huge platform for buying and selling. The infrastructure is all there. They have some of the best imaging uh, of anybody around and, and they have, you know, 
this vault program that they've got. So it makes perfect sense for them to do that rather than build something from the ground up, which is a major challenge to try and go up against, you know, other auction houses or other sales platforms. Um, all of that is in place now. They've got a huge mailing list, I know. Um, so that makes total sense for them to do that. Um, and I'm sure they're not done. Um, you know, we've, we've already seen this week a lot of ads pop up for their new uh, breaking platform that they're going to start, or Fanatics Live is what they're calling it. I don't think it's going to be 100% breaks, but that, that's what they're going to start out as, is, is doing these box breaks and case breaks. Um, and that business will get off the ground later this year. But yeah, I, I think it, uh, you know, they probably caught PWCC at a good time. Um, and Joel in his, his article explained a lot of that, what he, you know, what is perceived to be, a, you know, maybe got in a little too deep on the loan side yeah. of thing and, and probably were looking for someone to maybe come along and, and provide that uh, outlet to where they could, you know, obviously, you know, I'm sure the transaction netted them a lot of cash and, and it should, you know, they've built a long, uh, they've built a, a pretty, pretty good sized business there. Obviously there's some, probably some rebranding that's going to happen there. I would guess. Um, I don't know that it'll continue to be PWCC, um, but that's for them to decide they're, they've said that they're going to look at this business, you know, up and down, you know, until they, and until they do that, there won't be a whole lot of changes, but I think that's, that's something that will take place here in the, you know, in the summer coming up and then, Maybe toward the end of the year, we'll start seeing some uh, uh, some changes happen on that side of things. But, um, you know, the, the business is kind of a turnkey situation. You know, they did let go some people before the uh, transaction happened, and, and there may be some more of that. Who knows? But, um, you know, I, I think uh, for them, it just, it just made perfect sense. Um, and in terms of the hobby itself, um, you know, just I, I think it's – you know, it kind of depends on how you look at it. If you're if if you're in it for the right reasons, things are going very well. Um, if you're in it just to flip high end modern cards, you might not be having a great time right now. Um, and it's been away for a while. Good point. Uh, and I, but I think uh, you, you know, if you go to a show, um, I think the attendance now is far ahead of of yeah. where it was two or three years ago. I think. You know, well, maybe three or four years ago, uh, before the and COVID. you can attribute that to the young young collectors. A lot of them. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just that you know, COVID. The whole COVID boom brought in a lot of new people. Um, some of them have left, but the ones who, like I said, got in it for the right reasons, have stuck around, and it's still a a, a big deal. Um, you know, you're not seeing the the big transactions on the the high end modern cards. You know, a lot of them have come yeah. down in price and um, pretty significantly. Um, and then, but you're also seeing uh, a lot of transactions taking place on the on the you know low, medium end cards, modern cards, and the vintage market seems to be doing really well. Brian Dwyer can probably um, you know give you a little more insight on that than I can because I know they've run several auctions this year and and, and done a you know bang up business. So I, I think it's you know I think you see uh, like I said, it just kind of depends on what side of it you're coming from, but. Uh, for the most part, I think if you compare it now to where it was five years ago, the, the market itself is still very vibrant. And now you're seeing fanatics, obviously, believing in this hobby enough to make all these things happen with uh, the businesses that they've bought and, and all the money that they're putting into this. We've got about a minute left. Yeah, I mean, there's always some trepidation when big companies come into areas they haven't been before. Rich, I remember when Fox got the NFL, people yeah. thought Bart Simpson was going to be doing play-by-play and the cast of Married with Children were going to be sideline reporters, but it turned out great. Um, do you view this as a good thing? Because I think, like you said, I don't think they're done, and it wouldn't be surprised if other larger companies jumped into this game. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a wait-and-see thing right now um, in terms of the impact, but um, 
yeah, I, I think they're going to do things just because of the resources that they have that we've not seen before. We saw the Major League Baseball patches on the jerseys for Major League debut patches that the players are wearing. Now, that got a lot of attention, um, not just in the hobby, but in the sports media as well. Every broadcaster that, that was broadcasting a game that first week of the season was talking about the patches and how they're going to wind up in trading cards. That's the kind of thing that they can do because of yeah, the good point. You know, are in terms of a, of a business in the sports industry. So, um, yeah, I, I think from that standpoint, it's it's probably going to be good. Um, one of the things that concerned me a little bit when they started out was that the Michael Rubin said that their goal was to expand the business in, in huge numbers. Obviously, if you're a collector, the first thing that pops in your mind is, are they going to overproduce product? Because that's the worst thing you can do. And we're already seeing a little bit right, of that. Right, right. But, you know, I, I think... Um, it's it's a fine line to walk between producing too much product and making sure it's available for everybody. And that's probably their biggest task from a strictly, you know, uh, nuts and bolts card situation is to make sure everybody's happy. And that's a tough thing to do is to make sure that you're making cards desirable enough that people want them, but you're making them available to where people have a feel like they've got a fighting chance to own whatever it is that they're that they're pushing out there. His name is Rich Miller, Sports Collectors Daily. Always, always brings something. He knows to the a tip. lot of stuff. This guy. He does know a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, okay, and he's, a, and he's a former. And he's a former TV guy, and you can still see remnants of that oh, TV absolutely. hair. You can still see remnants of the TV hair, uh, Rich. I still have some of these. Don't forget, you can watch uh, watch the show on Sports Collectors Daily's Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, Share it with your friends. We're asking you guys to share the show, follow us, like us. Absolutely. And uh, we'll go from there. Rich, we'll talk to you down the road. Hey, sounds good, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks, Rich. Rich Miller from Sports Collectors Dealing. You got it. Knows his stuff, man. Does, man. Knows knows a lot of stuff. All right. So does this next guy. Yeah, this next guy, though, he, we gotta convince him to, I got to convince him to come over to the dark side. All right, let's bring him in right now. Brian, right out of the gate, why don't you consider coming over to the dark side? Would you consider that? Hundred percent. I mean, I, I mean, I can only assume you're talking about uh, rooting for the Red Sox. That's correct. So, <laughs> um, you know, little little known fact: I grew up in a household that root that rooted for the the Mets and the Red Sox. Really? Uh, and then wow. my grandmother was a diehard Yankee fan who exerted her influence. So was this family. a Connecticut thing? My dad grew up in the Bronx. Oh, right? really? Wow. No kidding, because the there's a lot of Connecticut people that are perplexed to like that. It's like a Mason-Dixon They don't there. know which team to root yeah, for. There really you know, is. So. Yeah. No, wow. my, dad, my dad was in the prime of Yankee territory and went the total opposite <laughs> way. Totally conflicted in 86. Um, yeah. That, but yeah, that, so I, I got no problem with the Red Sox. Oh, that's good to know. All right, listen, Brian, uh, we got a lot to talk about. And by the way, we're going to keep Brian right to the end of the show. Because uh, we're going to bring Brendan in later on, but we're going to keep Brian right to the end. Uh, let's talk about the current auction first yeah. of all. You've got a current, you've got an auction going on right now. You got some like again, Brian. I don't know where the hell you get this stuff. stuff. Yeah, but uh, you know, you got. Let's talk about some of the items. You got a thirty-three Ruth, but you got a T two hundred six Bill O'Hara that I kind of yeah. zeroed in on. Can you talk about that card? Yeah, so I mean, you're you're a T206 guy. You can appreciate the rarity of that card, and you can appreciate how tough it is to find in high grade. So this one's a four and a half uh, uh, with a polar bear back. Obviously, Demon O'Hara, two of the tougher cards within that set. Last I looked, it was approaching almost eleven thousand dollars. The auction ends on Sunday. 
Um, you know, we have actually almost 800 T206s in the I selection. know, I noticed that. <laughs> so if you've ever wanted to consider starting a set or right. if you've got a couple that you need to pick off, there's a pretty good chance that uh, that we've got them in this auction. So, yeah, I'm really excited for the, that O'Hara. Uh, tough card in any condition, but this one's a particular condition rarity. Well, the thing about that card, and if you're a T206 collector out there or you're just starting, uh, my advice to you is this card does not come up in the auction block very often. Uh, you may be, it may be worth your while to, uh, to crack open the, the piggy bank uh, if you're a real serious T206 collector because, as Brian said, this and the Demet, those two cards are so rare and so tough to get. Uh, consider, you know, making a bid on it. And, you know, that, that's just honestly. I mean, if, yeah. if, you're, if, you're in, if you're a T206 guy and you're serious, that's a great card to buy. I mean, there's just so much to choose from uh, in this auction. Let, let's keep going. You have a 51 Bowman Mantle and a Crackerjack Walter Johnson from 1915. Can you talk about those, Bri? Yeah, two great cards. So the Mantle's a PSA 3, the Johnson's a PSA 2. Um, you know, when you hear the grades, you might not expect much from them, but they're both really attractive. So great eye appeal on the low end of the scale. Can't get more classic than either one of those. Um so, yeah, really, really excited. And we've got a ton of Hall of Famers from all sports, you know. So yeah. Mantle and Johnson, we've got a bunch of Roots. We've got a E95 Wagner. Um, and then right on right on down the line. So there, there's Wait, I didn't see the – you have an E95 Wagner. I did not see that. Yeah, nice PSA too. So get, get in there and bid before Sunday. Thank you. You've got some 33 um, Gaudi Roots in this auction. And you guys both – What's with the 33 gut? Like, people are fine. I don't know if people are finding these. I had actually a friend that found some in an attic a few <coughs> months ago, and they just seem to be popping up in, in a lot of auctions. And, and, you know, obviously it's one of the all time most desired cards. I'll let you handle this one, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, so you're, you're not wrong. I mean, we've had a number of um, fresh-to-the-hobby original owner Gaudi collections that have yeah. popped up over the last year or so. Um, you know, they were produced with pretty good quantity. There's a good supply out there. Um, and, you know, they were tucked away in the in the 30s. You had people worrying about uh, Depression era. You had people worrying about uh, World Wars. The baseball cards weren't really on their minds, so right. they just tucked them away, and now they're being found. So, um, you know, the interesting thing is that most of these Gaudi collections that we do get, they do have at least one or two roots in them. Um, so it's not a rare card, but it's tough to find in, in, in mid to high grade. It's tough to find with nice eye appeal. Uh, the 53 yellow is is a tougher one to find. So, um, you know, great, great cards. You know, it's interesting that you're, you're mentioning that because when you really you really look at the, the, the whole landscape, right, you've got the 33 Gaudis. Yep. You've got the 52 Mantles. I mean, those are two very desirable cards, and yet there's thousands of them out there. Yeah. But it is a really desirable card. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Usually, the, the more scarce the card, yeah. the more, but there, there, are, there are a lot out there. What do, you, what do you attribute that to, Brian? I mean, just the tremendous demand. I mean, you've got two blue chip players. I mean, you know, Ruth and Mantle, you don't need to sell anybody on who they are, what they've done, why they're important, why they will last. I mean, you, you, you look at, you talk to Rich about how the hobby's expanding. Even young kids have heard of Babe Ruth. Even young kids have heard of Mickey Mantle. So they've got this staying power that just transcends these generations of collectors. And I think that even though there is a, a supply, I mean, neither is a really rare card, um, the demand is incredible. You know, I want to segue into a little sidebar. Uh, Brian, you can appreciate this. So there's a we're always promoting, as you know, vintage cards, and we're really, really excited when a young kid 
gets into vintage cards and really wants to learn about it. So I've been kind of a little bit behind the scenes mentoring a young man uh, who has a podcast. And he texted me or messaged me yesterday. The kid is off the wall that he was able to secure Brian Dwyer to come <laughs> on his show. Do you know who I'm talking about, right? I do, I he, do. Yeah, I love he, his passion. He's a good kid. This kid is, how old is he? He's in high school, right? Probably. I think he's 18. I think he told me he was 18. This kid is so passionate. So you're only mentoring him, though, in cards. Well, you know what I said? Not to, like in that's life. That's correct, okay, not in life. Want, right. But I said I to him, wanna... I said, look it, I get requests like this all the time, and I do. I said, but, I said, I love your passion, whatever help you need. Uh, and so I've been giving him some you're, points. You're paying it forward. I, I, you know, he's a good kid. So Brian... Uh, Let's help them out together. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, I got my start. It's not a telephone. You know, you've, you've heard my story many times. I, I can appreciate what he's looking to do and how he's looking to learn. All right, listen, we're going to take a quick break. Brian's going to be with us for the entire show. We've got a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. Hang in there. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we'll, be right, we'll be right back. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. Let's go! Batter up! Hi everyone, this is Rico Petroselli. JustCollect.com, a leader in the vintage sports card industry, is giving free appraisals on your vintage cards. They'll evaluate your collection for free and let you know the value of it at no cost and no obligation. If you're ready to sell, JustCollect.com will offer you industry-leading prices to buy your card collection. To begin your free baseball card appraisal, visit JustCollect.com or call them at 732-828-2261. That's JustCollect.com for your free vintage card appraisals and top buy prices for your cards. Check out JustCollect.com today. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, 
Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. With record-breaking sales from everything from the white border T206 Hollandus Wagner for $3.12 million to some great items that support the Jackie Robinson Foundation, Golden Auctions has set the highest standards for the finest in sports cards, autographs, and game-used memorabilia. We're always accepting consignments of high-end premium sports treasures or entire collections. Please register for our next auction and bid now at goldenauctions.com. That's golden with an I. We at Golden Auctions are committed to providing unsurpassed customer service for the discriminating collector. That's exactly why we're the leader in the industry. Visit goldenauctions.com or call 856-767-8550. Remember, Golden Auctions. We don't just break records, we shatter them. How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game-used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Number six on your roster. Number one on No, no, leave it. Ron Dr. Vujo Pesicelli. <laughs> Should I do a It's Time for That was like weed foreshadowing. That, that is that was strange. That Actually, was we're, we're not doing on deck with Rico. No. Is that the opening? Rico's, to, Rico's yeah. not here. Rico's Hi, not, not here. Rico. Rico. You want me to say something? Like no, no, on we'll deck pass. with me. We'll, or? we'll pass. We'll I pass. can be on deck. No, we'll pass. <laughs> um, you literally are right now. You're there. Again, uh, we are talking to our good friend Brian Dwyer from uh, REA Auctions. Um, don't forget to share the show and follow us. We really want to explode. Explode. Not expand. No. Explode. Explode. Hey, Brian, you know, uh, I don't know if you heard the conversation when you were uh, backstage uh, with uh, Rich Miller regarding uh, the, what's happening in the, in the hobby. Um, do you have any concerns? Because it seems, you know, I know PWCC is a little different than REA, but do you have any concerns about your wheelhouse you know, the, 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 the REAs, the memory lanes, the Lelands, as far as changes in your, in your businesses? Well, look, I mean, I think you always have to take stock of what's going on around you. Um, you know, I think REA has the benefit of longevity. I think we've been around for decades. We've 
navigated a ton of different macro and micro going ons. Um, so, you know, I feel really good about where we're positioned. Obviously, we've been going through a period of incredible growth ourselves. We're up to 10 auctions a year. We used to just do one big catalog. Um, so, you know, keeping an eye on things, obviously taking stock of a company like Fanatics coming into the space, but uh, really content with what we're doing and how we're doing it. And I think we're doing a great job. Well, I think that's what we talk about, Rich. It's always kind of this double-edged sword because in a good way, you're saying a company like Fanatics that really doesn't need any more money, they feel that this industry is so valuable and so growing that they want to jump in, and that's a good thing. You just kind of have to keep track of what the changes might be and how it affects, I wouldn't say the smaller businesses, but the people who have been in Absolutely. this business a long time, right? I would, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I mean, fanatics like uh, Rich was mentioning. You know, they made their name in 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 uh, apparel and, and memorabilia, and right. so they have they have specialties, they have connections. Obviously, they're incredibly well capitalized. They could do almost anything they put their mind to, I'm sure. But at least right now, I think that they're um, you know focusing on maybe some other initiatives. They've got this breaking platform. They've got some live shopping coming. Um, so I think I think we're in a good spot. Brian, is the whole third-party grading landscape changing? <clears throat> well, you know, since uh, the pandemic and and the shutdowns and the price hikes, nothing nothing's been the same. Um, you know, I think you're seeing some uh, increased competition among the the major players in the last uh, year and a half or so. Um, I think some have gained share, some have remained the same, some have lost share. Um, but you know, from where we sit. We still think there's two or three major grading companies. We try and use them equally. We believe in competition. We believe in, uh, you know, making sure that the the second grader is around to keep the first grader honest. So I have a follow up. Um, yeah, we we're, we're seeing the changes and we're we're kind of reacting. However, we think we can uh, use it to our advantage and our customers' advantages. When somebody uh, turns in uh, a high end raw card to you for auction. Do you discuss with the um, individual where the car is going to get graded, or does he just recommend it, or do you make a recommendation? <clears throat> yeah, so generally we're making a recommendation. You know, a lot of our business comes from non-collectors. A lot of our business comes from outside of the hobby. <clears throat> so they're really counting on us to counsel them. They're really coming to us to leverage the experience and make the best decision for them, which will ultimately maximize their value. So if someone feels strongly about it, you know, PSA is obviously a very well-respected and recognized brand. And sometimes people have done their research and say, I want my card graded by PSA. But, you know, from where we sit, um, we're going to evaluate that card. We're going to see um, what company makes the most sense, where the prices realized are the highest. You know, every company's got their own standards too. Sure. So what might be a a four at PSA could be a five somewhere else, or what might be a five at PSA could be a four somewhere else. So we've got to we've got to take stock of all that, and that's just something that we've learned over the decades of doing this. That's so Brian, w w watch this one, Brian. So I'm a runner. Go ahead, chime in anytime you want. And wait, wait, I've I run. I've seen you run. I run. Oh, okay. so I mean, I jog, but it's kind of running. Anyway, how about shuffle? We always talk about what you do between runs. You know, whether it's weightlifting, plyometrics, whatever. I do a lot of plyometrics. Oh, I'm sure you do. Um, so when you just said a few minutes ago that you do ten auctions a year, I, I, I kind of I didn't realize you do ten auctions a year. What type of stuff do you guys do at REA between auctions to assess what happened and what you're going to do moving forward? Do you kind of look back and say this is what went right, this is what didn't, and make changes uh, for the next one? 
Well, you know, we're always at the mercy of our consigners, right? So unfortunately, sure. we can't walk into a Walmart and just say, hey, yeah. look, we need 4,000 4, <laughs> items and they need to be worth 15 or $20 million. So, um, you know, what we're doing bef- between the auctions is we're always building an auction. Uh, we're, we always typically have at least a couple of these monthly encore auctions that we're working on. We're always working towards the next catalog auction. Um, and then we're just making sure that we're touching base with our clients. You know, ultimately we we serve the client. Ultimately, we want to make sure that we're meeting their needs, advertising, getting the word out. We're typically always promoting an auction, working towards gathering consignments for the next. So, you know, the way that we look at it is we have a couple metrics that we keep an eye on. But, you know, we're we're always at the mercy of what's coming through the door. Is it hard to keep clients excited about what they might be able to get for a particular group of cards while also managing expectations, you know, kind of walking that fine line of keeping things on a, on a rational, reasonable note. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there are some people that will tell you that 10 auctions is too many auctions, right? There's some people that'll say, oh, there's, there's just sensory overload. The way that we look at it though, is, you know, we're serving tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of clients, right? right? So, what might be sensory overload to you might be the holy grail, the white whale that another collector somewhere has been looking for. Right. So we're trying to keep an eye on this large landscape and making sure that we're getting the best items, we're getting them consistently, and we're putting them out there. And so, you know, for us, the way we look at it is there's there's just a ton of collectors who could want a ton of different things and let's just get it in and, and put it up for bid and, and let, let them decide what it's all worth. You know, you're making a very good point. I do that. Uh, I, uh, um, you know, I've gotten away, you know this, I've gotten away from cards. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I have a couple. doing more memorabilia. Uh, yeah, yeah, but sp- specific memorabilia. You know, I like the contracts. I like pro, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, right, right, things right. like that. Right. And The personal like, stuff. Yeah. yeah, so I'll go to REA. Like, I know he's got 10 auctions, right? Sometimes he will not have what I'm interested in, yeah. but sometimes it's like, wow. Right. Same thing with Memory Lane, same thing with, with Leland's, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Brian. You're catering to so many different uh, tastes, in, in the hobby that it's, it's, I think it's a pretty good thing. Yeah. You know, we, we put it out there. You come, you take a look. If there's nothing for you. You, you move know, on. Have another get it next month. Yeah. Right. By the way, that's what I did this, this time around. <laughs> just thought I'd that. Well, but, now you need an E95 wagon. Exactly. <laughs> See, but I, that got past me. That got past me. Um, uh, I know we've, we've, we've hammered, hammered this over the years. Um, the whole vault thing. It doesn't have any place in the hobby. Well, I mean, I think we've seen over the last couple of years that it does. I mean, it meets a need for some collectors. Um, but similar to that comment I was just making about sensory overload versus white whale, I mean, for every collector that tells you it's a godsend, you have another collector that tells you they'd never let their cards out of their sight. So, you know, collecting is such an individual pursuit oftentimes that you've got to just decide what works for you. Um, and if, if vaulting's the answer, then there are solutions for that. And if there's not, you know, you, you keep it in a safe, you keep it in a lockbox, you keep it under your mattress, whatever, whatever, whatever makes you sleep at night. And what about fractional buying? Has that gone by the wayside pretty much? Well, I mean, we've definitely seen changes to that industry, right? So I think fractionalization is something that's been really heavily um, adopted outside of sports collectibles. So I do think that there's a market for it. I think that it's yet to really gain significant traction in our industry. Obviously, we've seen a couple companies close up. I do think, though, that when we're talking 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, um, as prices hopefully continue to escalate, maybe fractionalization will come back around. So I do think it has a place. 
maybe it was a little before its time in this industry. So I'll be keeping an eye on how that all develops. Interesting. Brian, we talked about some of the great items you have in this auction. I just want to get, you know, your opinion. Can you give us maybe a couple of a couple of gems maybe that aren't the T206s or, you know, the Cobb, that, that you looked at and say, man, this is it's a little bit of a wow item for me or a couple of things that are unique that maybe you haven't seen before or people haven't seen before. You don't have that E95 with you, do you? I don't have it with me right now. Okay. No, it's it's in the auction. I don't have anything with me right now. But one of the one of the collections that we got that I'm actually really excited about that's up in this current auction ending Sunday is um over a hundred boxing type cards from the nineteenth century through Tyson and Holyfield in the nineteen nineties. You've got some really rare boxing cards. You've got some really rare signed boxing cards from the 20s and 30s and 40s. Um, some of these cards I've never seen before, didn't know they existed until they came through our door. Yep. That's something that I think people, you know, that's the type of collection that keeps people coming back every month because you never know what you're going to find. And so I think that um, the feedback that we've gotten so far is that, hey, this is really interesting. You don't see this in every auction. You know, very, very cool. Um, we have uh, a story that's rolling out. We have a consigner stories platform on our website that'll tell the story of this collection that'll roll out here in a couple of days if people want to check that out. And then, you know, the other thing too is that REA frequently gets um, typecast, if you will, as a baseball card auction house. Yeah. And so I think people would be surprised by how many um, non-baseball, really good, exciting cards that we have. So we've got a PSA 10 um, Ovechkin hockey rookie. Nice. We've got a football Hall of Fame rookie card collection in eights, nines, and tens that we're breaking up. Um, we've got, you know, all the major Hall of Famers from the 84 football set we're breaking up and they're in nines. Um, and then we continue to work on this 1941 play ball strip collection that we've that we've been breaking down over the last couple auctions. So literally every page of the auction has something that you don't see all the time. What um what has the Ovechkin uh, collectibles world been like, you know, since his uh, record-breaking feat? Well, so, you know, he's got, uh, you know, obviously people are lumping him in with uh, a player like Gretzky. The difference between um, Ovechkin's career and Gretzky's career is that Ovechkin's part of this, this uh, mass production era, right? So unfortunately you have, you know, it goes back to the Mantle and Ruth discussion. You have this very high supply, but you also do have a very high demand. So right now we see a great appetite for his stuff. Um, you know, his base rookie cards are still attainable and affordable. Um, but you know, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if they're going to break any records like Gretzky's stuff does because there's just fewer of the Gretzky rookies out there. Right. Brian, do you reach out to your customers? In other words, uh, John Mallory, we know that he has a $5 million collection <clears throat> and you know, he has, you haven't heard from him in a while. Do you ever pick up a phone and say, hey, John, is there anything that you'd be interested in uh, consigning to us? Do you do that often? 100%. I think people would be surprised on how much um, shaking of the trees we do, frankly. You know, I mean, if we just sat here and waited for stuff to come in the door, um, it wouldn't always work out that well. So, yeah, I mean, for us, it's making sure it goes back to something I said earlier, making sure that we're meeting the client's needs, you know, and if... If you're a buyer, we, we want to put great items in front of you. And if you're a seller, we want to offer you a solution where you can have a pretty great experience and, and turn in great results and, and, you know, go through that part of your collecting life. So, yeah, we definitely we're definitely proactive and we reach out to people that are still buying, too. I think people would be surprised that when we have an auction, we're working the phones and we're working our connections and saying, hey, you know, there's a card. I want to make sure you saw it. I want to make sure that you're 
that you're aware this is up for auction. We're always trying to generate business. We are chatting with Brian Dwyer from REA Auctions. Jam, why don't you tell our friends and listeners about our other friend, Joe Drellick and the Chantilly Show. I will do that, Zap. CSA Shows is actually very proud to present the Chantilly Show, being held on March 31st to April 2nd, held at the Dulles Expo Center in Chantilly, Virginia, just minutes from the Dulles International Airport, celebrating over 27 years at the same location. There will be over 300 dealer tables exhibiting on over 100,000 square feet of space. With both vintage sports cards and memorabilia, as well as modern-day sports treasures, you will not not have to look very far for that special card, bat, ball, or autograph. Major auction houses and third-party grading companies will be on-site to assist you with your collecting and authentication needs. Some of your favorite superstars will be on hand, including football greats. It's a great list, by the way. Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, Micah Parsons, Randy Moss, Emmett Smith, and many, many more. Those are some of the top young stars. Trevor Lawrence is overrated. I know you don't follow sports after 1971, but those are some big names right there, Zap. Trevor Lawrence, wasn't he married to Edie Gourmet? It was Steve Lawrence. Oh, Very good, though. Sorry. Very good. For more information, go to www.csashows.com. That's the Chantilly Show, where you can find all of your sports collectible treasures. All right, Brian, I'm going to ask a pointed question. Um, <laughs> Do you see fanatics at some point in time uh, consuming uh, some of the third-party grading companies? I'm not going to mention names. Well, you know, if you look at the plays that they've been making, I think it's obvious they, uh, that they want a spot in this industry, right? So they, they've gone after production. They've gone after live shopping. They've gone after marketplace um, grading is a notable exclusion from their pro- portfolio right now. Um, I don't know if that's purposeful. I don't know if that's yet to be finalized. I don't know if that's something that's on their target list. Um, but it would it would make sense. I mean, if they want to be the complete solution for collectors, I, I could see that happening. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, about two minutes. Yeah, there was a a couple of items just wanted to mention because I found them interesting in going through the uh, current auction. You have some uncut strips uh, in this auction, Brian, and also the postcard collection from 1979 to 1992. Can you talk about those two things in the time we have left? Yeah, so the uncut strips, uh, phenomenal collection that we've gotten. um, We've now been selling it for about a year. Uh, eight card strips of the 1941 play ball. So you've got Williams on some of these strips. You've got DiMaggio on some of these strips. You've got uh, Ott and Greenberg. And I mean, just incredible Hall of Fame selection. So uh, this is a find that uh, I had never seen an uncut strip from this set before, Um, but they've been very well received. They've been uh, turning in great, great numbers. And, um, you know, uh, I'm excited to, Anytime we get to sell something that we've never sold before, yeah, it's cool. yeah. is a, is a is a cool time, right? Um, the postcards, um, I don't know exactly which ones you're you're talking about, but I know that we've got a bunch of great exhibit cards. I know that we've got a bunch of great the uh, Hall of Fame and Perez Steel postcards right. signed, right. some are unsigned. Um, we're actually working with uh, Dick Perez, so you know, famed Hall of Fame artist. Um, who has been a great supporter of baseball and the game. We're working with him. He's the subject of an upcoming documentary that we're helping to support. Yep. Um, we're going to be working with him to put a number of his paintings in our upcoming summer auction. 
Um, he'll be appearing at our booth at the national convention, and we're going to be working with him to raise some money for the Roberto Clemente Foundation. He is such so, a talented neat. guy. Yeah. He's, talented. He is, he's oh. very talented. Hugely he's talented. An incredible number of paintings, um, and I've seen the trailer for the Diamond King documentary, and if you haven't, I highly recommend it. Um, I think it's going to be a great piece for baseball card fans. All right, listen, we're going to take a quick break. You're going to stick around with us to the end. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to bring in Brendan from SCP Auctions. Yep. Hang in there, and we shall return. Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction, specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalli and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you are a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on the tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport, Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's, the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field, and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions, here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community 
for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. Hey, I'm Mike Petroselli. If your company is looking for the best in marketing and promotional items, you'll hit a home run with Petroselli Marketing. With over 8,000 suppliers and 650,000 imprint-ready items, we can get your company the visibility it needs to get your maximum exposure. Whether it be office promotions, wearables, automotive, sports items, and everything in between, Petroselli Marketing can do it all. Our design staff will even work with you from concept to delivery and customize your products. At Petroselli Marketing Group, we will get your brand in front of your audience. Contact us at info at PetroselliMKT.com or call us at 603-880-3202. That's Petroselli Marketing, where no dream is impossible. You know, I said to Rico, Rico says, I want to have a tagline. Oh, yeah. At the end. I saw the email. You told him to send you something. Of course, he didn't send so, You know what I said to him? Every time you forget, <laughs> me, J.M., and Chrissy, you get a free pen. A, f- a free, <laughs> free Petroselli marketing Petri-Selli pen. pen. Yeah. Every time he forgets. Nice. So he owes nice. us three pens. You know, I called Mike's, uh, Mike Petroselli, was that was on that spot. Yeah, Mike's when a great kid. When I was kid. back doing my old TV days, I called a couple of his basketball games when he was at Lexington Christian He was a hell of a basketball great player. Great basketball player. Yeah, Michael yeah. was good. Yeah. All right, let's bring in our guest uh, from SCP Auctions. This is one unique Auction. Brendan and, and Wells. Stress the word one. One. That's right. One <laughs> unique auction. Brendan, how you doing? I'm great, guys. How y'all doing? Good, you hear Brendan. Me okay? Yeah, we hear you fine. You know, you know, Brian, you guys know each other? Yeah, we know each other. I mean, just through the national and we all we rub we rub elbows, right? All the competitors at the national. So <laughs> you know, that's the, I think you know, we talk about that all the time. That's one of the beauty things of this of this hobby. You guys are all competitors, but everybody's friendly competitors. Yeah. That's a great thing. All right, let's talk about the jersey. First of all, the Wilt Chamberlain jersey. But that was our headline. What is it at at this little snapshot in time? Currently, hammer price is at uh, one point, a little under one point. Uh, actually, one point one one, I believe, one point one four. So all ins like one point three five, one point three seven, something like that. Right now, million. Yes. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I just want to make it clear to people. I mean, that is just. <laughs> so, I mean, can you give us a little background on the jersey? If, if, if you don't, you know, you don't have to if you don't want to. But I mean, uh, it's, well, it's it's out there. We did a press release. It's on the, the description. Kind of goes through it. But 
This came originally sourced right from Wilt to a private collector many years ago. It has changed. I think people in the hobby, the hobby stalwarts, know about this this uniform. It's yep. been around. Um, I mean, it's not like it's changed hands that frequently, but um, it's obviously an important piece. So uh, it was, uh, you know, recently with the, on the collectible platform, and now it's uh, been consigned to us, and we have it up there. It's not no reserve on it. So whatever it goes for, it goes for. There's nothing. We're not working up against any any reserve number here. It's going to sell. The question is, you know, how far will it go? I mean, that is one piece of historic oh memory. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, Brian, if you're interested, I have a high Henry Finkel game used jersey. <laughs> uh, let me know if you'd be interested in it. I can shoot it over to you. It'll run a special uh, auction at the National. Yeah, that'd be perfect. We'll, we'll give you negative 15% on that. <laughs> what would be the hammer price on that one? <laughs> you ever met him? Plug. Yeah, I got a great picture with Hank Finkel at an event. Interesting one. guy. Very interesting guy. Yeah, it really. But is. let's. Yeah, you got, you, yeah, we. Won't <laughs> uh, I want. I, can I? Ask, yeah, go ahead. Um, I want to get your opinion on this, Brendan, because we've talked this a lot on the show uh, the last few months. Really, how the items that belonged to the athlete, or the items that the athlete had in front of him or her, signed, held, touched. That those to me are becoming more and more popular uh, as opposed to not to poo-poo cards and all that. But I think people want that sort of that intimate item that the, um, that the person had. Can you just talk about that a little bit as, as it relates to what you have in your auction? Uh, yeah, there's only one of these. Yeah. Uh, he wore this home uniform in his rookie season for you know, what's been estimated to be around 50 or more games. <laughs> He didn't have many sets back then. He wore it in the playoffs as well. Yeah. In fact, it was the last jersey he was wearing, last uniform, when they were knocked out of the playoffs in game six by the Celtics. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's photo matched to, I think like right now it's conclusively photo matched to seven games, but it probably could be more if they're, you know, you got a little more research on it. But we have Gray behind it. We have uh, sports investors. Uh, Mears did a letter for it years ago. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, something like this, there's not like going to be another, you know, he had the most amazing rookie season in, in sports history. I think it's kind of, I think that's not really even an argument. No, I, I buy that. I agree with oh, that. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Guy I mean, was unbelievable. Any, across any sport. Gretzky, I don't know. I'm not looking at his numbers right now. Better than Jordan. Better than, um, better than honestly, better than uh, than Mike Trout or well, I guess that was, his, that was his debut year. But better than Mike Trout or Aaron Judge's rookie of the year seasons, in my opinion. Yeah. So, he just dominated the sport. He had those numbers have never been replicated, had, had never been replicated before by any player, let alone a rookie. Was that the year he was, averaged 50? No, no. He averaged 37 and 26. Right. As a, right. Sorry, 37.6 points, 27 rebounds a game as a rookie. <laughs> that's like, that's, that's, that's like human. No, it's a joke. Yeah. How absolutely. About the year he, he, his, and yeah. he averaged 50 a game one year. The year he had 100 points. The year he got the 100 points. He averaged 51, 62 season. He averaged over 50, and I think he averaged about close to 30 rebounds that game. It it makes me crazy, and and both both you guys, all three of you guys can chime in. It makes me crazy, and God bless them. They just won the NBA championship. But we're in such, especially in media, we're in such a superlative stage now where everybody's the best ever. You know, Jokic, Jokic, great, fantastic player, can't deny his numbers. But they're already coming out. Is he the best center oh, of all time? I'm, I'm sorry. Great player. Yeah, great no, numbers. Right. And in today's NBA, probably the best center in the game. Okay, but today's NBA. But you know who who but, is who is they? They are the media, which they always have to be superlative exactly. now because you have to do sound bites it's and hot takes. Take, it's about right? hot takes, yeah, hot yeah. takes, you know, and uh 
But Chamberlain, and I know everyone here in Boston, the Russell Chamberlain thing, Russell has the rings, but the, the numbers are just prolific for Will Chamberlain. He, he's, in the, he's, he's in the Mount, to me, he's Mount Rushmore of all sports. Of, in, in, he's the basketball guy, you know? Hey, Brendan, what do you have uh, coming down the road for, a, when's your next major auction? That will be after the National, August 9th through the 26th. That's kind of been our schedule in the last few years. We, we time our, our summer auction to go right after the National ends. Um, so, yeah, that should be another big one. And, you know, we're, we're already getting some consignments in for that. So we have some good stuff already for that. Um, but, yeah, I, that's, that's, and we'll probably have another one in the fall, like we usually do, end-of-the-year auction in the fall. Um, we're trying to keep up with all of the competitors now that are running, like, m- monthlies and, so we used to do the seasonal thing, spring, summer, fall, three big auctions. I believe REA just used to be on just that two auction schedule, right, Brian? Like Just one when I started. Oh. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you guys have really picked it up with the monthlies and all the stuff you guys are doing. So an incredible amount of cards. We're always wondering, where does all this inventory come from? It's just endless amount of cards. Mallory's closet. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so, you know, we're just, you know, it, it's getting very competitive, obviously, you know, with the la- in the last the pandemic and everyone's trying to there's just always auctions going on every weekend which makes it challenging um when you have big pieces to promote them the right way and you're up against you know heritage golden memory lane rea uh, but you know something brendan from a from a collector standpoint it's like christmas yeah i mean i'm 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 not kidding like once a week i go on because you can't keep up with everybody i go on to auction report See what the current auctions are for the week, and I, I just I peruse through the auction sites, yeah. and if I see something, I'm going to bid on it. And Brian, you have to admit also. I mean, speak to that. That that's good for the business when there's a lot to choose from because it keeps collectors interested, and they're going to keep going back, whether it's SCP or REA or some of the other auction houses. Yeah, and, and and like we were talking about, you know, 20, 30 minutes ago, there's so many different collectors out there that are collecting so many different things Absolutely. in so many different ways. That's right. That that one guy's sensory overload is another guy's Christmas. Yeah. You know? You've so, got you've got people uh, looking for that one major card. You got you got set builders. I mean, it runs the gamut. Right? And by yeah. the way, Brendan, I know Dave uh, Dave Kohler is he's got an amazing uh, Lakers collection, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean that's there's a picture of his shrine right over my left shoulder right here. <laughs> See that on the right there on the left. Yeah. This here uh, is, is the shrine room, which now probably has double the amount of items in there than uh, <laughs> in the photo. So you know, we we do get a lot of good Lakers stuff. I mean, he has a great eye for basketball, and that and it's all kind of it kind of filters its way down to our staff. So we we tend to feel like we do pretty well with with game use basketball and and uh, especially Lakers. And you know, we did that Kobe jersey. For about two point seven five, I think last year. Crazy, um, and I was his rookie, one of his rookie uniforms. Um, so yeah, we just we definitely are always in the in the market for any any big game use piece. I mean, we, the market has gotten significantly stronger through the pandemic. I think when the card market started to slow down a little bit, especially the modern stuff, that's when you know people started maybe focusing more on the on the jersey side, and it's when you start seeing the Jordan jersey that that was last September that went for. Um, 10 million. And then, you know, Maradona's hand of God went for, I think it was 9 million. And so, you know, and then the Kobe Jersey recently went for uh, 5.8, I, I believe. So it's just, you know, and these are, but again, these are not one jer- uniform worn for an entire season yeah. of the greatest rookie season in sports history. Right. So if you're taking it all in context, you kind of would think that Wilt's 
uniform should be worth as good, if not better, than all these ones we're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're dead, dead on. So, uh, Brendan Wells, SCP Auctions, go to scpauctions.com, correct? scpauctions.com. The bidding's currently at 1.1. It's going to keep going. We're closing Saturday evening, uh, June 17th here, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific. So get your bids in. And, uh, yeah, and we look forward to, uh, pres- you know, this is, this is undoubtedly, in our opinion, going to break a all-time record for any vintage, any vintage uh, basketball uniform. I think it's well on its way. So I, I think it will, really deserves to be amongst, you know, the Jordan, the Kobe records as well. Congratulations. And, Brian, your auction, reaauctions.com. When does your auction end? So bidding on uh, this monthly auction ends Sunday, June 18th at robertedwardauctions.com, and then we're going to be opening up our summer catalog auction right before the national. Oh, there's some cool stuff in that catalog. Awesome. Some really cool stuff. <laughs> some really cool stuff. <laughs> uh, all right, listen, don't forget, this is uh, next week. We are going commando. <laughs> okay. You didn't mention that. <laughs> on, the new, on, the new, on the new platform. By the way, yes. I'm, I'm going right now. <laughs> <laughs> on the new platform, uh, Sports Collectors Daily. But we want to admit, we're still going to be on all the YouTube we're gonna be all and over, Spotify you, and Spotify, Alexa. Spotify, YouTube, everything. That's not changing. iHeart right? Radio. Yeah. We, we already have had a tremendous influx over to our own Facebook page and to Sports Collectors Daily. As time goes on, again, after the national, we are going to be, looks like, like a, on a really uh, nice, cool, uh, neutral platform. With okay. that being said, on behalf of Rico, myself, J.M. Chrissy, to the guys at PSA, guys have been a big support for seven years. So Nat and Rebecca, uh, Terry Melia, who's not there anymore, uh, Todd Tobias, and especially Joe Orlando. Thank you, guys. And with that being said, happy collecting. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.